0: Hello, one and all, and welcome to this beautiful Friday edition of The Logan Blackman Show. Welcome back to the best show you've never listened to, The Logan Blackman Show. Here, once again, I will say it again, on this Friday, oh, oh man. And there's quite a bit of stuff going on right around now. (laughs) Most notably, the Field of Dreams game, which took place for me today, for you yesterday, and... If you watched just a little bit of it, now I didn't. I'm not gonna sit here and say I watched the entire game because I didn't. I'm recording the show during the game because I I don't care about the teams involved. I hate the White Sox with a burning passion, always have, always will. And I could really give le- I could care less about the Yankees. I know there's a lot of people out there that go, oh, I absolutely hate the Yankees. Screw the Yankees. They're the worst team ever. And I understand completely where you're coming from. I get the winning thing, which I think is a very petty thing to hate a team for, but I hate the or dislike the Yankees more for the fact that they just buy their problems away or attempt to buy their problems away. There's rarely you don't see a lot of Yankees players coming through the farm system. I mean, Gary Sanchez, I guess, is one, Aaron Judge is one. But all the other players like Rizzo, Stanton, Gallo, Torres. All of them are trades or big money acquisitions and and then DJ the Mayhew as well. You just get all these big name players. That's more of the reason why I dislike the Yankees. Garrett Cole, another one. I get the winning thing. It's petty, but I get the winning thing. The White Sox just suck for the sake of being bad and then they're just really good now. And for being, the sake of being bad, I'm meaning just me disliking. I'm not actually putting a bad product on the field. No, that's the problem. They're putting a good product on the field with some former Cubs players as well, which is fantastic to see. You got Craig Kimbrell, Ryan Tapera, Eloy Jimenez is just jack and dingers almost every single time he's up to bat. It's freaking awesome. I love watching the White Sox do very well. That's sarcasm for those of you who don't know how to pick up sarcasm. I screw the White Sox. But hey, feel the dreams game overall outside of the teams playing. If I'm just ignoring the fact that it's the White Sox and the Yankees, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that a major league baseball team would actually be playing at the Field of Dreams, actually, because I, I guess I could say in my wildest dreams. In my wildest dreams is the only way I would see this happening. I I turned the game on. And I was telling my sister this. This is professional sports in Iowa. And it actually matters. every time we have a big time professional sports, now I get we have minor league sports, which are professional, but it's not it's not the same thing. Every time we have a professional, like, big-level sporting event, it's always a preseason game where a game just just doesn't matter. The most recent one that I can think of was the Wild and Blues, I believe it was, at Wells Fargo Arena. It was a preseason hockey game. It was cool, but it doesn't mean anything. This is a middle-of-the-season game. We're in the last stretch. The White Sox are about ready to win the division. Yankees are trying to get back in the playoff race. Like, this is a big game. This isn't some random podunk game. This is big, and they're playing it at the frickin' Field of Dreams. And as an Iowan who has lived here my entire life, born and raised in Iowa, never lived in another state ever, this was one of the coolest days ever. Just as an Iowan. He doesn't need to be as a sports fan or whatever. Just as an Iowan, just to know there's a big event happening, and not in Des Moines either, in little Dyersville. Like, not a big-time city either. Usually when these teams come, they're coming to Des Moines. And if not that, they're going over to the Davenport Quad Cities area. Or heaven forbid, they're going up the Sioux City. Or God forbid, Cedar Rapids. They usually always come to Des Moines. You never expected it to happen in some little town like Dyersville. Yet it happened. And the field, the atmosphere, was beautiful. Beautiful. It just proves, if you build it, people will come. And that's exactly what happened. And no... It's not, it's not heaven. It's Iowa. One of the greatest, two of the greatest lines in movie history. Is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. And if you build it, people will come. They're two fantastic lines. And the intro, to me, as a person that could care less about the teams, and the person from Iowa, the intro was the coolest part of the entire thing. I think there's even people from outside of the state of Iowa that can agree the intro was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen. With Kevin Costner walking out of the cornfield. And then all the players walking out of the cornfield as well. That was beautiful. It was awesome. And they just have dingers. A bunch of dingers. It's freaking awesome. This was like the perfect way to have a game there. Just dingers and make it nostalgic for people that have seen the movie that are from Iowa. That's what you want right there. And it it checked every single box. I would, love to, I would have loved to be on the bus of the players as they're going to the Field of Dreams because, look, I love the fact that it's in Iowa. I love the Field of Dreams, but, man, Dyersville, Iowa, there ain't much to look at. So I wonder what the players were doing that are used to playing in New York and Chicago, what their, <laughs> what their, what their thought process is as they're driving up to the Field of Dreams. Now, one hand, it's probably really cool. They probably all seen the movie at least ten times, but on the other hand, it's like, hmm, I can see that big city mentality of, wow, people actually live out here. Yes, I don't, but people do. Ah, <laughs> uh, but a cool experience, cool thing. I'm no way I was getting tickets to that. I, I'm priced out of Field of Dreams tickets. I don't know how big the stands were. But, man, it just looked really, really, really cool. Just from the TV aspect, really cool. Stands were nice. Corn was a nice backdrop there. And they said they're going to do this every single, or going to come back next year. So, we'll see how that goes. (laughs) But, man. And there was also another cool thing. There was a sign, I think it was in Davenport, or near Davenport somewhere. It was on the border of Iowa, Illinois. I can't remember exactly where it was. It was a billboard. It said, Manfred, stop blacking out games Iowans want to watch their teams. Let Iowans watch their teams play. Yes. Why Iowa gets blacked out, I will never understand. We are not the reason the Cubs, White Sox, Cardinals, Twins, whatever, didn't sell out the Royals, didn't sell out their games. We live three hours. The closest team to us is Kansas City, and they're three hours away. There's not people making the three-hour round trip every single game. So why do you black it out? I don't understand. Obviously, the Royals aren't going to meet attendance requirements. They never have, except at the time they were in the good, the World Series. They've bashed fans before in Kansas City because of that. Because they've been terrible for most of my life. Except for the World Series year. And then they went back to normality right after the World Series. All their players left. Ah. But yeah, they've got to stop blacking out games. I don't know what we as Iowans have to do. To stop the blackouts, Billboard's probably nice, but Manfred, he's he's proved over the years, really just over the past like two years, to be more specific, that he is an asshat. And he's not very smart. So I don't know what's going to happen with the blackout thing, but I'm tired of trying to watch a Cubs game. Now, when they're not, this was back in the day because I don't have marquee sports because I don't know how to get it. And from what I've heard, like from my papa, it is a pain in the ass to get marquee sports. But when it was on WGN and, M- and NBC Chicago, NBC Sports Chicago, they would black out. Like, what? Why? Why am I getting punished for Chicagoans not buying tickets to the games? It's stupid. I don't understand it whatsoever. Like, it's even sometimes been blacked out, like on the NFL network, not NFL network. This is for the NFL, though. I've tried to watch games that have been blacked out on the NFL like Sunday ticket. How the hell is that possible? That's the whole purpose of the Sunday ticket. I I don't know. Blackouts in general to me are very, very stupid. Never really understood. I mean, I get the premise of blackouts. Well, if you don't buy tickets to go to the game, we're not going to allow you to sit at home and watch the game on TV. We want you to spend money. Yada, yada, yada. I get the premise of it. I just think it's a very stupid premise that people that aren't even in the state, let alone the city, are being punished for that. I d- it's stupid. I don't, I don't really like it. And as we were talking about the NFL Sunday ticket, I talked about on Wednesday for the long show that we had. We had an hour and 40-something minute show, which is absolutely ridiculous. Killed me. It was very tiresome. But I said I was going to try, and keyword try, I didn't promise this, of a top 50 list for the upcoming NFL draft upcoming like 8 months from now NFL draft which takes place in April 2022. So it's way too early to do this stuff anyways, but long story short, I didn't get it done. Okay? Didn't get a list done, didn't get a list compiled. I mean, I've had numerous attempts at a list. I think I have 50 players I would put on a list. I don't have an order down. That's the issue. I have a list. There are, I have about list about 52 players. So I got to take two out and then put them in order to how I think they rank in regards to their draft standings. Now, if I had to do a top five, or maybe let's yeah do a top five for now. So Thibodeau, the DN from Oregon, Freak. Derek Stingley, corner from LSU. Evan Neal, the tackle from Alabama. Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. And then Spencer Rattler, the quarterback from Oklahoma. That's the top five to me right now. As I sit here on August 12th, for you August 13th, 2021 now obviously a whole lot of things could change by the time the draft comes around there might be a player that no one even thought of talking about being a first overall pick now i find that very rare with how much hype rattler and howell have been getting but man it's possible the same thing was said though for the 2020 nfl draft between Two on Herbert, they were the guaranteed top two picks or top two quarterbacks, and then some loser from Ohio that plays at LSU named Joe Burrow comes up and steals the show and puts on the greatest season in college football history. Like, you don't see, you do have these two quarterbacks. It's similar. I don't know who the random dude's gonna be. Is it gonna be Emory Jones from Florida? He's got all this skill in the world to be a top quarterback in this draft. He just hasn't played. He hasn't he was sat behind Felipe Franks, then Kyle Trask. Now he's got a chance to actually play. He might be that guy that shoots up draft boards because of how good he is. I think all the talent is there. Let's just see if he puts it together. Any other quarterbacks that I can think of? Maybe Carson Strong. I have him ranked fifth, but he could go up to number one, definitely. He's got a lot of talent in there. Then you've got Matt Corral from Ole Miss. Could be another one of those guys. I don't I don't think anybody out there is denying Matt Corral's talent, they're more... What is the word I'm looking for? Not denying. They're more cautious of the fact of those games that he's randomly had where he throws a shit ton of interceptions. The lapse in judgment, I guess I should say. He could definitely be one of those quarterbacks. But there's... Just overall, there's a lot of quarterbacks in college football. A lot of quarterbacks could have amazing seasons. But as we sit here now, I... It's... I... I, Let's catch myself before I start getting in that loop thing. <laughs> I think it's very unlikely someone passes Rattler and Howell. I think it's very unlikely, unless like Malik Willis balls out, which I'm completely expecting. Desmond Ritter finds some more consistency. Keenan Slovis is back to his freshman year self, not as opposed to his last year self. Maybe we have one of those. All in all, though, I'm still going to stick with Rattler and Howell as the top two. I think Rattler's ceiling's ridiculous, his arm talent's ridiculous, his ability to ad-lib is very good, and then Hal is just Mr. Consistent with a strong arm. Playing at North Carolina, you don't get the big name recruits. Now this will be a big year for Hal, as we've said numerous times, you lost four very key weapons on offense. Michael Carter and Javante Williams, the running backs, Daz Newsome, and I forgot the other one. Wow, I'm... Who was the other one? (laughs) I... Wow. The other receiver. What the hell? I've said his name like probably 500 times. I can't remember. I'm not going to... I'm not going to waste time and look it up. I'll blurt it out randomly when I remember it. But Chaz Newsome, Daz Newsome, Michael Carter, Javante Williams, and then the other guy who's... Diami Brown. See, I did that. Diami Brown. That's the big... That's the other one. So you have four big players leaving. And you had them both years at North Carolina. So this will be a big test for him. But yeah, it's fun. It's going to be very, very fun. College football, again, we're just a couple weeks away from college football. And though I don't have a draft rankings, preseason football, started last week, remember the Cowboys versus Steelers game. Now we've got some more preseason games kicking off tonight, Friday, Saturday. Like, we're back into football, pretty much. Football is back. Now, it's not the best brand of football because it's, you know, preseason – But it's still football nonetheless. So you know what? People are going to watch it. So I took the liberty. Before the season starts, again, this is like the draft thing. Things are subject to change. Because, you know, that's how things do in time. They change. (laughs) So we have a list compiled of each starting quarterback in the division. Each division. I've done this before. I did it last year. Where it was like quarterback tier list rankings, but not on an actual tier list. So we go tier 1, tier 2, tier 3, tier 4. Tier one is the best quarterback from each division, tier two, tier three. It's pretty self-explanatory. The top, the better you are, the higher your grade is. So if you're the best quarterback in your division, like let's say, just for example, Josh Allen, you'll be in tier one. If you're the worst quarterback in your division based off pretty much nothing other than the fact we haven't seen you play, Zach Wilson's four. Two and Cam Newton will be in there as well, two and three. So you get what I'm saying here? The best quarterback's there. Second best is in second tier. Third best, fourth best. Got it? I think I've explained it enough times to where you should understand it at this point. So we'll go through each division and name the best quarterback in this in the division. And I think every single division is pretty self-explanatory. I don't think there needs to be a lot of explaining done with the top. I think the middle portions of each division will need to get talked about a little bit more. In some cases. Other cases, pretty self-explanatory. Again, but there will be cases where we have to talk about it. <laughs> Uh, AFC North, just go over the AFC teams. AFC North, Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the division. The unanimous MVP. Don't care what people are saying about his accuracy. He got two wide receivers that not only help him in the passing game, but also in the run game in regards to their blocking Tylen Wallace and Rashad Bateman. Bateman's out with a leg injury, so we'll see what his health is on that going into the season. From what it sounds like, it's not too serious at this point. But, you know, things can nag and nag and nag. And, so, Lamar's still number one. Doesn't matter. No one is as dynamic as Lamar Jackson in the NFL. Lamar can do things that no one else in the NFL can do. Nobody. His athleticism and his ability to turn nothing into something is second to none, and he is the best quarterback in this division. uh, AFC South, Ryan Tannehill. It's weird to say Ryan Tannehill is the best quarterback at anything, let alone his own division. I remember a few years ago, Ryan Tannehill was talked about He's done in Miami. He's going to be a backup in Tennessee. Now he's a top, probably top 10 quarterback or near top 10 quarterback. Where the hell did this come from? Now, this is obviously why he got drafted eighth overall by the Miami Dolphins at a and But man, you saw things that were there. But then you saw things starting to die out a little bit. You're like, oh, maybe stagnating a little bit. Turns out he just needed to kick up the ass. And now he's back to what people were expecting when he first got drafted. He's the best quarterback in the AFC South. And there's some good quarterbacks down there, but we'll talk about why he's the best in a little bit. I think you know why, but if you don't, we'll explain it a tiny bit. AFC East, Josh Allen, pretty self-explanatory. Eighth or eight votes in the MVP race last year. Put together a season that no one's ever had in NFL history, and still didn't win the MVP, which is you know crazy. And the fact that he, you took Josh Allen out of the Bills. And this might get some hate. If you took Josh Allen of the Bills, you would miss him more than Aaron Rodgers out of the Packers. That's just my take on it. I think Josh Allen does more than, like, obviously. Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I'm not trying to take anything away from Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers can't do some of the things Josh Allen could do. Aaron Rodgers can't move like Josh Allen can. He can't brush off defensive linemen, let alone safeties. He throws the ball 90 yards. Aaron Rodgers got a strong arm. It's not saying anything against Aaron Rodgers' arm, but he's probably got... Josh probably got 10 yards on him. Now Rodgers turns... Geez. Rodgers turns the ball over a lot less. Rodgers more experienced. Rodgers more accurate. Okay? Give you that. But we'll talk about Rodgers in a little bit. And then AFC West, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, pretty self-explanatory yet again. not going to explain that one. Moving on to the NFC. Aaron Rodgers, NFC North. (laughs) Pretty self-explanatory. NFC South, Tom Brady. I mean, again, pretty (laughs) self-explanatory. NFC East, Dak Prescott. This is the worst division in football in regards to quarterbacks. This is the worst division in football in regards to quarterbacks. We're just talking about depth at quarterback. This one's pretty rough. And then the next division is the best, arguably. You've got Russell Wilson at the top with Seattle. We'll go over the other quarterbacks a little bit and what I'll talk about with one team in particular in the NFC West in regards to their quarterback situation. Moving on to the second-best quarterback in each division, AFC North, it's Baker. Baker Mayfield, regardless of what you feel about him, he is a good quarterback. He's not an amazing quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He is a good quarterback and will get paid. Okay, that's the fact of the matter is. I think he's carried a lot by the amount of talent he has offensively. If you look at his offensive line and his run game, which is better than anybody in the the entire NFL – That's helping him a little bit. Now, I'm not saying he'd be completely useless without them, but he is definitely boosted by that, as most quarterbacks would. But I think if you took that away, Baker would be worse than some other quarterbacks that were put in that exact same situation. AFC South, Carson Wentz. Now, this one's a little controversial as well, but we'll get to the other team that I know you're screaming about. In a little bit, Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. He's with his coordinator from Philadelphia – That saw him put up the best numbers and would have been an MVP if he had not gotten hurt. Now they're back together. Colts got a great O-line, really good running game, nice weapons on the outside. This is a place where Carson Wentz can be really good. AFC East, Tua. Tua is the second best quarterback in this division right now. Up and down rookie season, pretty normal rookie season. But like we've talked about, when you have two other quarterbacks in your same exact draft class that ball out. And Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow were putting up numbers. Joe Burrow, before he got hurt, probably would have won the Rookie of the Year. Probably would have. But Justin Herbert broke every single record in rookie history. And people still are trying to talk about Justin Jefferson should be involved in it because he broke one record. Justin Herbert broke every single record except for the interception record, which will probably stand forever. But uh, hey, we're in a 17-game season. Maybe a rookie quarterback breaks that record this year. (laughs) It's very hard and you don't wish that on anybody but man the expectations for rookie quarterbacks has changed if you don't ball out right away people will start turning on you very very fast and that's just what happened to Tua. i think he's a good quarterback he needs a little bit more time and then we get to make a decision on him i think i've said after three years we know what you are if you haven't changed in three years that's what you are two years yeah you can have a little grow. You, you got to show some improvement year two. And then year three, if you haven't, that is what you are. And then we got the AFC West, Justin Herbert. I mean, we already talked about him. <laughs> Broke every single record in rookie history. Dude's an absolute baller. Dude is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL after one year. How many people have we said that about? Top 10 quarterback after one year. And I'm not mincing my words here. This dude is a baller. Justin Herbert is an absolute baller and it's weird looking back at it looking at the 2020 draft and the pre-draft process how much was like concerning concerning reports about justin herbert nothing off the field dudes a great person it seems like extremely smart but looking back there was a lot of critiques on him a lot of critiques on justin herbert and then now he's the best quarterback in this draft class and a top 10 quarterback at the same time ridiculous ridiculous and i I've talked about this before. We've made fun of this a little bit. Richard Sherman saying, I was surprised when Justin Herbert wasn't drafted number one overall. Uh, Yeah, shut up. (laughs) What's it called? Is that revisionist history? No one thought Justin Herbert should go number one. Not even Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert would have gone number one, or maybe, because of the whole Kyler Murray-Cliff-Kingsbury connection. That might have made things a little bit different. But before Kyler Murray balled out, Justin Herbert was expected to go number one in 2019 and then came back. Because John Elway was trying to get himself some Justin Herbert in 2019. They had the 10th pick. You're not telling you're telling me if Justin Herbert's there in 2019, they don't trade up instead of trade back with the Steelers to draft Noah Fant and Drew Locke in the second round. No. They're, dra- they're trading up to draft Justin Herbert. And then now we're not talking about the Broncos having these quarterback situations. We're talking about the Broncos being one of the best teams in the NFL. Because their defense is really good. They got some very nice weapons. Now, obviously, if Justin Herbert goes there, maybe their weapon's a little bit different than what they are now. But hey, it's fun to make revisionist history. <laughs> but yeah, no, Justin Herbert was not number one overall. He was never going to be number one overall in that draft class. Just like we've talked about a thousand times, Joe Burrow put together the greatest season any quarterbacks ever had in college football. Plain and simple. If you thought jo- Justin Herbert should have gone number one overall, You're lying, first off. Second, I would love to hear your reasoning on why he should have gone number one overall at that point. Right now, oh yeah, sure. He should have gone number one overall as we're sitting here knowing what he did his rookie year, but not looking at what Joe Burrow was also doing. We're just completely brushing Joe Burrow aside because he's off injured. And we'll talk about Burrow a little bit more because there's some things that are going on, it feels like, in Cincinnati that are a little... Not fun, I guess we should say. NFC North... Minnesota, Kirk Cousins is the second best quarterback in this division. I think Kirk Cousins is one of the most overly hated quarterbacks in the NFL. Don't really understand it. The O-line sucks in Minnesota. Yes, he has a good run game. Yes, he has nice weapons on the outside. But his O-line is terrible. Terrible. And just because he can't run around and make all the plays. Like Justin Herbert had the worst offensive line in the NFL last year. The worst. And Kirk Cousins had similarly bad offensive lines. But he's not the same athlete as Herbert. And just because he's not this insane athlete with his cannon arm, and he's a little bit corny, a little bit cringy, I'm not going to sit here and deny that. You see some of the things Kirk Cousins, the, the Frick compilations. Yes, it's pretty corny. He's a good quarterback. I do not think he should get anywhere near the amount of hate he gets. It's ridiculous. Like, Kirk Cousins is the problem why Minnesota sucked last year. Their defense was awful. Their line was awful. Okay. It's not Kirk Cousins' fault they went 7-9. and nine. That's stupid. Stop that. NFC South, it's Matt Ryan from Atlanta. Matt Ryan's a good quarterback. Very good quarterback. Yeah, former MVP. Still has some very good weapons on his team. Drafted Kyle Pitts. Yes, they traded Julio Jones, but Kyle Pitts is there. Calvin Ridley's still there. We'll see how Calvin Ridley does as the Falcons' number one wide receiver. Because as you saw in Pittsburgh, when Antonio Brown left, and Juju Smith-Schuster was left to be there the number one receiver... His numbers went down. Calvin Ridley balled out last year. I'm not saying it's not because he's a good wide receiver, because he's a very, very, very good wide receiver. But a lot of that goes down to Julio takes a lot of attention. Julio Jones is the best wide receiver of the 2010s. And he's going to take a lot of that attention, a lot of that pressure off you. You're not going to get... Usually, you're not going to get the best corner from the other team. That's going straight to Julio, and then some coverage over top to stop Julio. But we'll see how he does. We'll see how he does down there. NFC East, again, it's a pain to rank these quarterbacks. But Washington, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I guess Ryan Fitzpatrick's not even technically the starter yet. It's still a comp- competition between him and Taylor Heineke. So we might still see that rotation quarterback thing we've seen in Washington for the past couple seasons now. But Ryan Fitzpatrick is a fun quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick gets his teammates behind him. This dude knows how to play the position at a very, very good level. I almost said very high level, very good level. He's a very fun dude to watch. And him in Washington should be fun. But yeah, he's the second best quarterback in the division, which tells you how bad the other quarterbacks are in the division. And NFC West, Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford, I think, is got I think Matt Stafford is underrated, okay? But I think Matt Stafford's getting to the point where people are underrating him so much that he's becoming overrated. I People are talking about Matthew Stafford like he's a top three quarterback going to Los Angeles. Like, oh my God, their future is forever changed because of Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford's a good quarterback. Matt Stafford is not as ridiculously good as everybody's saying he is. I think Matt Stafford is a top 12 quarterback, which is a good thing to be. And I think he's very talented, and I think he's gotten a lot of Hard times in Detroit, but he's had good wide receivers there. Calvin Johnson, Kenny Galladay, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones. Yes, he never had it. He had 1,000-yard rusher, and it was Reggie Bush, I believe. (laughs) He has a good good off-the-line, Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow, two of the more underrated linemen in the NFL. And now you get Pene Sewell there. They're building something kind of nice on the O-line. But yeah, he's not in a, this insane quarterback. He's a good quarterback. But as good as everybody's making him out to be, like Los Angeles is guaranteed to win the Super Bowl now because of Matt Stafford, no. Because Matt Stafford has gone to the playoffs. Matt Stafford hasn't done anything in the playoffs. So you can't just go, oh, a quarterback that's never really done anything in the playoffs is going to lead a team to the Super Bowl. I could be completely wrong on this. I'm willing to be wrong about this. I'm open to being wrong about this. But hey, I'll believe it when I see it, pretty much. I think their defense is great. I think they've got nice weapons on the outside. Sean McVay is a very smart coach. They're going to be good. Super Bowl, though, I don't know. Time will tell on that whole situation. Third best quarterback in the AFC North. This one might be controversial. might be very controversial. Joe Burrow. I think if Joe Burrow's healthy, he is better than Ben Roethlisberger. So I I guess I could just say three and four, because once I reveal three, you're going to know basically who four is. Joe Burrow has the potential to be a very, very, very good quarterback. Very good quarterback. Ben's on the decline. We saw that towards the end of last year. The Steelers receivers are not great. They're very frustrating to watch. They Deontay Johnson, I think, led the league in drops last year. Clay, Chase Claypool and Juju are just very corny and I just very annoying. I, I'm, I'm not saying they shouldn't do what they're doing. They can do TikTok all they want. I'm not saying that. It's just, it's weird. <laughs> I do, I'm not a fan of it personally. I like some of the things that I see on Instagram, like reels thing. Is that what it's called? It's basically just things taken from TikTok to throw on Instagram. Instagram trying to compete with TikTok. Like you saw Instagram put stories to try and compete with Snapchat. Then you see the reels thing to try and compete with snap, with TikTok. I could have the things mixed up, but I think that's what it's called. The shorts. There's some funny things on TikToks. The dances are not for me. But I'm not saying don't do them, because you're allowed to do whatever the hell you want. That's on you. Don't care. But it's kind of hard to watch sometimes. Joe Burrow, though, if he can get his... I've seen something that he has lacking confidence in his knee or something like that. If he is in his head, that might be a problem. It might be a very big problem. You've seen what happens when players get in their own heads. But Joe Burrow is too damn talented for that. Joe Burrow has a bunch of good receivers with him. A younger offensive coach, Zach Taylor. We'll see if... I mean, if Zach Taylor gets fired this year, Joe Brady's going to come right in. Joe Brady is the Carolina Panthers OC. He was the past game coordinator at LSU when Joe Burrow went off. He'll be the next head coach, guaranteed. I'll lock that in now. I might as well put $100 on it because that's crazy. The fact Joe Brady didn't get hired last year or this past year is the reason that Zach Taylor still has a job. And when Zach Taylor and the Bengals stink this year, Joe Brady will come in. That's my take on the matter. But I hope and pray Joe Burrow doesn't have any lack of confidence. Has a lack of confidence because he's a very confident quarterback. He thrives off his conf, I, I was, thrives off. I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this here. He's a very confident quarterback, carries himself very highly, he has that little bit of a swagger to him, which I really, really like. I hope he doesn't get in his own head, because that's a very dark place to get into. If you start overthinking, that can be a little bit of an issue. And I get being scared of hurting your knee again, because that's a big injury, and the Bengals O-line, even though we've talked about it, is improved, it's not the best in the NFL. Even if they drafted Panay Sewell, it would not have been the best in the NFL, or even Confident enough in Joe Burrow. He would have probably still wanted Jamar Chase there. You want your friends. Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow put up magical numbers at LSU. If Joe Burrow is fine mentally and physically, Joe Burrow is a better quarterback right now than Ben Roethlisberger. That's my whole spiel on that. AFC South, Trevor Lawrence. Even though I, I've tried to not do this, I try to not do this, putting in quarterbacks who have never played a snap in the NFL above quarterbacks that are currently in the NFL, that have played in the NFL, and we know what they are. I don't like doing this. I might change it just because of the fact I feel like I'm throwing my morals away here. But I feel Trevor Lawrence right now is better than Tyrod Taylor, who right now is the starter for Houston. Regardless, I don't... Nobody knows what's going on with the Sean Watson. Nobody knows what's going on with that situation. He didn't... He's not dressing right now. When he did dress, he was a four-string quarterback playing scout team safety. So... I'm not going to touch the Deshaun Watson thing. Right now, as we sit here, Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If Tyrod Taylor was in Jacksonville, would Tyrod Taylor start over Trevor Lawrence? And the answer is no. That's pretty much my logic behind this. Would the quarterback that I'm ranking below the rookie start above the rookie if they were on the same team? And the answer is just flat out no. Tyrod Taylor started on the team with Baker Mayfield. He started on the team with Justin Herbert. But none of those quarterbacks, though very good NFL quarterbacks, had the hype that Trevor Lawrence has. None of them had that. Justin Herbert was never going to start last year if the doctors didn't puncture his lungs on the sideline. Justin Herbert knew five minutes before they played the Kansas City Chiefs that he was going to start. And he wound up playing the rest of the season. If it was up to Anthony Lynn, Justin Herbert would have never played last year which is crazy to think about because Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert we be going into a quarterback battle this offseason, which is crazy to think about knowing what we know now about Justin Herbert and how good he is. Tyrod Taylor would not start above Justin Herbert, just Trevor Lawrence. So Trevor Lawrence is number three in this division. Tyrod Taylor just off the fat. Now, Deshaun Watson's here. We're not even having this conversation. Deshaun Watson's number one in the division. The division kind of sorts itself out. Deshaun, Ryan Tannehill, Carson Wentz, Lawrence. Kind of sorts itself out. Deshaun Watson's there. If not... Tyrod's at the bottom. AFC East, Cam Newton. I think if the Jets had Cam Newton, he would start over Zach Wilson right now. So Zach Wilson's number four. I like Zach Wilson. I get the concerns about him. There has been some concerns from fans in regards to what's being said from the Jets and the organization that he has not looked very good. So uh, (laughs) I'm kind of... I don't know. I'm not expecting a lot of the Jets. I like the stuff that they have there in regards to their new head coach and their offensive coordinator. I like the draft they had last year, getting some very nice pieces for the offense. Zach Wilson, Elijah Bear Tucker, Elijah Moore, and Michael Carter. Love that. Let's just see if they can put it all together because it is the Jets. I think they'll need one more year and then they'll actually be somewhat, not good, but they'll be pushing towards getting like, oh, there's the foundation right there. I think they'll still be terrible because that's just the Jets are. Cam Newton is not going to be the start of the entire season. It's inevitable that he gets hurt at some point. And if he doesn't get hurt, last year I'll tell you, at least towards the latter parts of last season, his play will start declining. You saw some of the throws he was making. His throwing motion looks screwed up. I don't know what it is, if it's injuries or whatever. I think it does a lot to do with injuries. I think Cam Newton should have retired two years ago or whenever he was leaving last offseason when the Panthers cut him. Should have just walked away, or at least taken a year off to get back and fully healthy. Because he is his career is turning out the same as Steve McNair's. It is almost the exact same thing. High-drafted quarterback, very physical quarterback. Steve McNair down in Tennessee was a physical quarterback. Can make plays with his feet, but got beat up. And his body started failing him. Same thing with Cam Noon. But Steve McNair had a lot of... I don't know if it, you want to call it ego, but it he just couldn't let go of playing. So he went to Baltimore, and he, yeah. And Cam Newton went to New England. This is probably his last season. At least I hope it is. Not anything against Cam Newton. I think for health reasons, this should be his last season. But for right now, I'm still going to rank him above Zach Wilson in the division. AFC West, Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Carr is third best quarterback in this division, and Drew Locke's fourth. I mean, that's a pretty self-explanatory division. Derek Carr, like Kirk Cousins, overly hated quarterback. Don't really get it. Drew Locke, I don't know how many games he's going to start this year. GM George Payton got a quarterback he's very familiar with in Teddy Bridgewater, so I'm not even confident saying Drew Locke's there. But hey, even if Teddy Bridgewater was here, he'd still be ranked last in this division. So, yeah, that's how we're looking at the AFC. Then the NFC, I did think about this one for a very long time. And I'm going with Jared Goff, number three, and then... I don't know who's going to start. I don't have a guess in the world on who's going to start in Chicago week one. Because I tried to do who's going to start week one. That was my prediction thing. Who is going to start week one for their team? I don't know who's going to start for Chicago. It's Andy Dalton or Justin Fields. Justin Fields has more talent in his left pinky than Andy Dalton has an entire body. But will he start week one? I don't know. So either way, I'm going to stick them at four, because I think Jared Goff starts over both of them right now. I think Justin Fields will be better than Jared Goff, but right now, Jared Goff would start over Justin Fields, Jared Goff would start over Andy Dahl, and he'd start over Nick Foles. Jared Goff is a good quarterback that I think gets a lot of hate. I don't know how smart he is, because I, again, we've talked about this before, how Sean McVay called a lot of things Jared Goff did, from plays to side to audibles, from the sideline, he's calling audibles. That's supposed to be one of the quarterbacks' main jobs is to call audibles. And Jared Goff was not doing that. You can see that in all the mic'd up things they did. John McVay is in Jared Goff's ear calling audibles. Why can't he call his own audibles? So, time will tell on Jared Goff and his future in Detroit, but right now he is the number three quarterback in the division. NFC South, this one might be controversial. I put Sam Darnold at three, Jameis Winston at four. That might be controversial. I don't know if it is or not. Sam Darnold is coming in not playing very good football. His numbers have sucked the past couple years. Jameis Winston is coming off a season where he didn't play, learned under Drew Brees, but had the infamous 30-for-30 30 30 season. And then also, like the Bears, I don't know who's going to start. I would like to think it's Jameis Winston, but I think Sean McVay really likes himself some Taysom Hill. <laughs> Taysom Hill is the one who started a lot of games last year in Drew Brees' absence. So, I think he really wants to hold on to Taysom Hill, but Jameis Winston is, like, come on, he's the better quarterback out of the two. Taysom Hill's a way better athlete, but Jameis Winston is a better quarterback than those two. You can flip-flop back and forth on those two. I don't really care. I think Sam Darnold's got a lot of potential in Carolina. He's got the best running back he's ever worked with. He's got the best receivers he's ever worked with. He's got the best offensive line. He's got the best coaching staff. Like, Sam Darnold cannot fail it is literally impossible for him to fail in D- in carolina and if he does he's not a good quarterback if he does not succeed with christian mccaffrey dj moore ronnie and robbie anderson with matt rule joe brady if he cannot have success with those guys it's done it's over we're not having this conversation anymore he's good he's done he's a backup quarterback at that point this panthers team is very young Yet, very talented. So, maybe not this year. They might start to make some noise. But next year, I expect them to actually be something decent. If Sam Darnold is what we think he will be. And then the NFC West, Kyler Murray 3, and then whoever's starting in San Francisco right now. Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance. Whoever. Right now, Kyler Murray is better than both of them. Kyler Murray is way better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Trey Lance will potentially be better than Kyler Murray, given a few years or maybe a few years, maybe this year. Maybe Trey Lance just balls out this year. If the rumors are true about him getting close to the starting job, Trey Lance has a lot of talent. A lot of talent. I would not be surprised if he started week one, but right now, Kyler Murray would start over him. And I like Kyler Murray a lot. So those are my division rankings, and we had to go through and rank each tier. Tier one, we'll start at eight. Ryan Tannehill at eight. Dak Prescott, seven. Tom Brady, six. Lamar Jackson, five. That might be controversial, but we're going to put Lamar at five over Brady. Uh, number four, Russell Wilson. And then, based off last year, Patrick Mahomes, three. Josh Allen, two. Aaron Rodgers, one. Actually, I would, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm not going to be that controversial today. <laughs> I'm not going to make all of you hate me right now. I'm not going for just listens and getting stuff that people talk about. No, I'll, I'll do what the MVP voting was just to make it safe for me. I'm not trying to die, okay? But that's how I'll rank the first one. Tier 2, starting at 8, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 8. Tua at 7. You can flip-flop those two if you want to. Don't care. 6, Kirk Cousins. 5, Matt Ryan. Actually, move Carson Wentz down. I, 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 I like Carson Wentz a lot. Potentially, I think Carson Wentz is better than these two. But based off what we've seen recently, I have to rank him a little bit lower. So we'll put... Wentz, Cousins, Ryan, then Mayfield, Stafford, Herbert. I think Herbert is a better quarterback than Matt Stafford. That might be controversial. I don't think it is. I think Herbert is a very, very good quarterback. Uh, number three, tier three, we've got Trevor Lawrence at eight. Then we got Jared Goff seven. No, 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 no. Sorry, 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 sorry. We've got Trevor Lawrence at eight. Then we've got Jalen Hurts. Then we've got Sam Darnold. Then we've got Cam Newton, Jared Goff, Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray. Okay? Potential for Joe Burrow again. And then the final tier, tier four, Zach Wilson, eight, Justin Fields, seven, just because, you know, they're not playing right now. Drew Locke slash Teddy Bridgewater, six. Then we've got Daniel Jones, five, who I didn't, did we even talk about Daniel Jones? We just skipped over the NFC East altogether. Jalen Hurts was three. I think he got that. And Daniel Jones was four. I saw a thing on Twitter about Daniel Jones throwing today, and people were making fun of him a lot. Watching the clip, there's not a lot to actually make fun of. Yes, it's a bad throw, but it looked more like a choice route by the wide receiver. Daniel Jones thought he was going more inside. Daniel Jones threw it in the middle. Receiver cut his route short. There's really nothing there. I get it's fun to make fun of Daniel Jones. He's been made fun of ever since his rookie year, and then he had the trip thing this year. It's fun to make fun of him, but... It's not his fault that that throw worked. I mean, it was a miscommunication, sure, but every quarterback has had that at some point. I don't like Daniel Jones that much. I don't think he's an amazing quarterback. I think he's got a lot of talent, but let's see if he figures it out this year, but that throw was not something to be made fun of, really. And then number, what number were (laughs) Number five was Daniel Jones. Number four, Jimmy Garoppolo, if I remember the order we're going. No, I don't. What order are we going? (laughs) I'm completely lost right now. Jimmy Garoppolo, Tyrod Taylor, Ben Roethlisberger, Jameis Winston. That, no, Ben Roethlisberger, Jameis Winston, what am I talking about? I put Tyrod above Jameis Winston. I don't even remember what order we were going in there, but that's it. That's what we've got for you. Starting at the top, so if we were going, if this was how quarterbacks were ranked, which is not, it's just a fun tier list to do, it would go A-Rod, Josh, Patty, Russell, Lamar, Brady, Dak, Ryan Tannehill, Justin Herbert, Stafford, Mayfield, Ryan Cousins, Wentz, Tua Fitzpatrick, Murray, Burrow, Derek Carr, Jared Goff, Cam Newton, Sam Darnold, Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence, and then Ben Roethlisberger, Tyrod Taylor, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jameis Winston, Daniel Jones. Hey, no, Justin Fields should start over Drew Lock. Justin Fields, Drew Lock, Zach Wilson. That's the order I'm going with. That's not anything really. It's just a tier list thing. It's not actually how we rank. The Ben Roethlisberger is not the 25th or whatever quarterback best in the NFL. <laughs> he's not that low. I mean, he's pretty low, but he's not that low. This is just a, just a fun tier list. Just a pretty fun time. Pretty fun time. And before we end the show, I did say we were going to talk about this. We're talking about one football. Let's go over the other one. Premier League. Premier League starts on Saturday. We got to do some Premier League predictions here. So here are my 2021, 2022, Premier League, or 2020, 2021, wait, no, 2021, 2022, <laughs> Premier League predictions. Now we have some new boys in the top flight of English football this year. We have Brentford coming up through the championship. They won the playoff, won the one that playoff championship playoff final. Then you've also got Watford and then Norwich, the reigning or two-time, I guess, (laughs) ever since they've been down, they've come straight back up. So they went down two years ago, or they won the championship, top, top of the championship, went down, one of the worst Premier League teams ever, and then they went back up on the first try of asking. Same with Watford. And then we sadly, sadly lost Sheffield United, Fulham, and West Brom. Sad times here. Sad times out of those two teams or those three teams leaving the Premier League. It's so sad. It's so sad. But they were terrible. They, they were absolutely atrocious. Sheffield United sucked. Minus 43 goal difference. 23 points. West Brom minus 41 with 26 points. Then Fulham with minus 26 with 28 points. Good lord. 29 losses for Sheffield United. West Brom allowed 76 goals. How the hell is that possible? And that's why, exactly why, you go down. And then we've got some very fun, exciting signings for you, which I guess is very fun, exciting. Fun and exciting. So, got some big signings. Romelu Lukaku signed today, re-signed with Chelsea, came from Chelsea, Anderlecht to Chelsea, then Everton, or West Brom to Everton, to Man United, to Inter Milan, and then back to Chelsea. One of the best strikers in the world, no matter what you think about his first touch or his dribbling, that dude can score goals. And arguably, that's one of the things Chelsea, or the only real thing Chelsea needed. You looked at their squad. They just won the Champions League. They just won the UEFA Super Cup. They were set in midfield. They finally had a goalkeeper. They are set in the back. They were set on wingers or other attackers. They're goal scorers. They just couldn't score goals. Jorginho scored the, was their leading scorer and scored only penalties. We've talked about this before. His last season in Italy he scored two goals. He scored two goals the entire time in Napoli. Then he scored seven or eight last year for Chelsea, led them in scoring. That's not happening this year. Unless Lukaku gets hurt, that's not happening. Then we got Manchester United signing Rafael Varane from Real Madrid and Jadon Sancho. We have Arsenal signing Ben White from Brighton. Very expensive signing for (laughs) Brighton. That's the English tax for you. Speaking of English tax, Jack Grealish for 100 mil going to Manchester City. Soon, maybe Harry Kane's following after him, going from Tottenham to Manchester City. Could happen. They're preparing like a 170 million deal, dollar a pound, I can't remember exactly, deal to get Harry Kane from Tottenham. That is freaking ridiculous. Harry Kane and Jack Grealish going to Tottenham. Or to Man City, definitely not Tottenham. (laughs) Ridiculous. And then Aston Villa, though they lost Grealish, their best player and their captain, they brought in some very nice players. I mean, Ashley Young, experienced Premier League player. Manchester United, Aston Villa, and Watford. Played over abroad in Italy. with Inter Milan, just won the league. Danny Ings, a very Premier League proven striker. Premier League proven striker. Very Premier League proven. Yeah. <laughs> He's come in as well. You got And then you got Emiliano Bendia from Norwich. You just stole Norwich's best player. You stole Southampton's best player. And they also brought in freaking Leon Bailey from Bayer Leverkusen. Aston Villa had an insane transfer window. Insane transfer window. Those, those are all starters. Maybe not Ashley Young, but at least Danny Ings, Leon Bailey, and Buendia are all starters. All of them are starters. <laughs> Emiliano Martinez is back. Tyrone Mings is still there. Ezri Kanza. I would assume Tyrone Mings is going to be the captain, but I, I could be wrong about that. It's Ollie Watkins is still there. John McGinn's still there. Douglas Louise. This is a very, very, very good team. We'll talk about it later when we're going over to the signings. You have Leeds United signing Junior Furpo, Everton signing weird players, I guess. Not the same caliber of what we were signing last year if we're talking for Everton. You had James Rodriguez come in. You had DeCourie come in. You had Allen come in from Napoli. And then this year, you signed Amare Gray for a mill, And then Andros Townsend. Those are completely different styles of signings here from Everton. I'm very confused on what led them to go from one extreme to the other. From these are we're gonna get big name players, we're gonna start spending money money like the big clubs to we're going back to the old way of Everton spending of buying young or not young really cheap English players. That's pretty much what they did here. And they also brought in Esmir Begovic to back up Jordan Pickford when he inevitably loses the fans' interest or the fans don't like him anymore, which is- will happen. Moise King came back from PSG after a successful loan deal at PSG. He's back. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's still there. Richarlison's still there. He was just the golden boot winner of the Olympics. He's had a very nice summer. They've had some very weird signings. Very weird signings. Damari Gray was just out at bayer Leverkusen. and Andres-, Andres Townsend. Very weird. And then you've got Leicester City signing some big-name players as well. Patson Daka replaces Erling Haaland at RB Salzburg and just scores a crap ton of goals. 54 goals in 82 games for them in the league. Just finished off the Austrian Bundesliga, finishing with 27 goals in 28 league appearances. That is freaking ridiculous. You also brought in Ryan Bertrand, not the most exciting signing, but he'll provide some nice depth at left back. Then you've got Bubakari Samore from Lille. Title-winning Lille. He's been a transfer target of Manchester United for a while now. You've kept on a James Madison at this point, which I feel is an absolute win. There's some nice pieces here forever for Leicester City. The issue is you're losing Wesley Fofana for the rest of the season with a broken leg. How that was, hap- how that was allowed to happen, I will never know. In a preseason friendly, Dude's two footed tackled him and snapped his leg. He was one of the most exciting young center backs in the world and was going to be one of the best in the Premier League this season. Dude's an absolute baller, and now he's just got the season taken away from him due to a leg break. But Kaglar Sionku and Johnny Evans should lock up the center back partnerships pretty well. But yeah, that's a big loss for Leicester City. Liverpool, they've only signed one player, Ibrahima Kanate from RB's, RB Leipzig. He'll compete. For the starting center back spot, next to a healthy Virgil Van Dyke, with Joe Gomez and Joel Matip, they'll be competing there. They lost Georginio Wijnaldum, which is a huge loss, really massive loss. Experienced player in the midfield, he'll be missed. He'll be missed a lot. Hopefully, for their sake, he stays healthy. They stay healthy. When I seen they like most of their players, Jordan Henderson and Virgil Van Dyke need to stay healthy for Liverpool to do anything this season. But yeah, there's a lot of there's some there's a lot of transfer stuff going on. We're, the transfer window's not closed yet, so we could still see some big money moves coming in. Yannick Vestergaard from Southampton, the Danish center back, I have heard is on his way to Leicester City. I heard, I read he's on his way to Leicester City. So we should be seeing a new center back partnership with I'm assuming Soyuncu and Yannick Vestergaard, or maybe they switch to a back three and put James and Castagna at wing backs. Maybe they do that. Midfield three, I don't know. Back three with Vestergaard, Evans, and Soyanku with Castagna and Dustin James at right wing back. Then a midfield two of Ndidi and Tielemans. Madison is the number 10. And then Iannaccio and Vardy, or D- Daka, playing as a striker. That is a very, very good team right there. <laughs> and so getting Vestergaard will be absolutely huge for them. And Southampton losing Danny Ings and possibly Yannick Vestergaard, and Ryan Bertrand, which the Bertrand thing may not be that big of a deal, but the other two, very big losses for them. West Ham, they've done some big business, and not necessarily in like big transfers. I mean, they brought in Alphonse Areola from PSG, who's been on loan at a lot of teams recently. Most recently, Fulham, as they just got relegated. But their biggest thing they did was hold on to Declan Rice. I don't know how they've done it so far, but the, they have managed to hold on to their best player when he's been linked with Manchester United and Chelsea for the past three summers and Man City, like he's been linked with everybody. I don't know how they've held on to him, but fair play for keeping on to one of the most exciting, talented wing, defensive midfielders in the entire Premier League. And then finally, the last team we're really going to talk about in regards to transfers, obviously Tottenham we have in there, but we talked about Harry Kane possibly moving. They haven't made a ton of moves this summer but we'll talk about them once we go over the full rankings. But Wolverhampton Wanderers made some big moves this offseason. They lost Rui Patricio. They brought in Jose Sa, who's playing over at Olympiacos. Younger goalkeeper, still Portuguese, unsurprisingly. He also brought in Francisco Trincao, who was supposed to be this amazing signing for Barcelona and hasn't done anything. Barely saw the field last year. He's coming over here as a Portuguese player to try and get some minutes here. But... I don't know how often he's going to play this year. <laughs> I really don't know how often he's going to play. I don't know what kind of system they're going to play. They got a new manager, Nuno Espirito Santo, went to Tottenham after they interviewed like 20 managers, it felt like, then hired one of them and then fired him later. It was a, a very weird summer for Tottenham Hotspur. But yeah, the Trincao thing. I don't know what to make of that thing. Because I, I, I've heard he's very talented, but he just hasn't done anything in the last at Barcelona, and hopefully for his sake, he does stuff at Wolves, but let's just get in to the Premier League predictions. We'll start off with the bottom teams, and I think we're going to have two just go straight back down, and ironically, it's going to be the two teams that finished up on automatic promotion in Norwich and Watford. Norwich City, they came up last time. Remember when they won the championship last time? Came back up, put on an absolute horror show in the Premier League. Absolute horror show. That's, That's the nice way. To put it, they were abysmal when they came up to the Premier League Got the first time of asking. Last time they did this, 21 points. They allowed 75 goals. 75. <laughs> that is awful. They had 21 points. 21. And you know what they did to get better from that time? Pretty much nothing. They lost Emmy Buendia, which was a massive loss for them. They're, again, their best player but other than that, it's pretty much the exact same team they brought back last time. Billy Gillimore's transferring over from Chelsea on a loan deal, so maybe he'll get some. He'll motivate them to get up to the top of the league. I think I can't remember dude's name. Is it not him? There was one player that they just got over here that's supposed to be a big deal, but I don't remember what his name is. I can't find his name because again, I can't remember what his name is. But they did bring in. Josh Sargent. <laughs> so we'll see Josh Sargent over in the Premier League. I don't know how good he's going to be. He, hasn't, he doesn't score a lot of goals, so I don't think his contribution will be met with a lot of praise from Norwich fans. But he has a very hard worker. He has a very big engine. He'll make moves all over the pitch. But and it's Milo Riccia played with Josh Sargent over at Werder Bremen. And I was very surprised to see Josh Sargent make the transfer there. Very surprised. I didn't hear anything about this. Until the day he signed, and then it was like, "Oh, Josh Sargent just moved to North City." What? Okay, I'm a little scared because of how bad I think North City is going to be. I I don't know. I mean, it's this is a great experience for him. As someone who's trying to compete for the number one striker spot for the United States come 2022, this is a big move for him. I'm just not a fan of the team he went to. Maybe North City surprises everybody and avoids relegation, but I think the consensus is at this point, North City, who didn't improve that much defensively, are going to go straight back down again. And then following them is Watford. Apart from Ismail Assar, who's an extremely talented player, and I'm surprised they've held on to him for this long, don't see them doing much in the Premier League this time around either. They have some decent players. Obviously, I just, like I said, Ismail Assar is They're by far their best player. You got Troy Deeney still there. Don't know how many minutes he's going to play. He's more of a inspirational leader at that point. So you know who's going to be their captain? Tom Cleverley is going to be their captain. And I know most of you might not even know who Tom Cleverley is. But growing up watching Manchester United, watching Tom Cleverley, I know too damn well who this guy is. A lot of hype, never lived up to it. And now he's the vice captain at Watford. And then you got Joshua King there, who has just been in a big ball of emotions a glass case of emotions ever since he didn't get his transfer to Manchester United from Bournemouth. He's been very weird, but he's a very proven Premier League striker. He should be able to, if he can get out of his funk, be able to provide goals for Norwich City this year. But defensively, much like Norwich, there's nothing really going on here. There's not. Craig Cathcart is still there. They brought in Danny Rose. I don't know how that, what that's supposed to do because he's, he hasn't really played. Dude's been shunted out of New- or Tottenham like the last four years. If you told, like right before the 2018 World Cup, so in 2017, Danny Rose was England's number one left back. Ever since then, it has been downhill because he didn't start in the World Cup. Ashley Young was England's starting left wing back. He started, I think, two games in the World Cup and hasn't played for Tottenham in what feels like forever. So, I'm not feeling a lot going towards North, or Watford playing North City. There's just not a lot going on for them, for me. And then finally, the last team I think will get relegated, and I changed this today, and that is Southampton. Southampton, you just lost Danny Ings. You're about to lose Yannick Vestergaard. Those are two massive losses. Those are your two, arguably, not their two best. Danny Ings is their best player, but you still got James Ward-Prowse, who's their captain, but... I don't know if he's going to stay around forever. You brought in Adam Armstrong from Blackburn. Can he replace the goals from Danny Ings? I mean, he scored goals for fun in the championship, but that doesn't always translate. Che Adams took a couple years to get somewhat confident enough to score goals in the Premier League for Southampton since he transferred up here from Birmingham. At least I think it was Birmingham. Should I click on his name? Yes, from Birmingham. Oh, look at me go. But yeah, I'm not holding out a lot of hope here. I'm not holding out a lot of hope. They have lost a few games by embarrassing scorelines. Nine-nothing. Twice. It's bad enough to do that once. I don't know how the hell they're going to manage to avoid the drop this year. I'll be very, very surprised. Now, there's a couple other teams near the bottom of the Premier League that I think could challenge Southampton. I think Southampton's got a chance not to get dropped down, but I think you've also got Brentford and Burnley, and then also... Crystal Palace. I think these are the three other teams that we could talk about in regards to relegation. Burnley gave up a crap ton of goals late. I don't know really how they're going to score goals. Crystal Palace allowed 66 goals last year. 66, which was the third most in the league behind, or just above, I guess. West Brom, who allowed 76, and Southampton, who scored 70, is allowed 68. These three teams, and then Crystal Palace also have Patrick Vieira coming in, who has, I, I, I always feel weird about managers that did well in the MLS and go back abroad. Like Frank Boer was fine in the MLS. and He's a horror show over in Europe. Frank, Patrick Vieira did very well with NYCFC. Went to Nice, didn't do anything. Thierry Henry, same thing. He's doing decently well. Not great in the MLS. But he's doing decently well with Montreal. Impact or CF Montreal. Actually, I don't know if he's still there or not. <laughs> uh, but I'm not really that confident in Crystal Palace this season. You've got, somehow, Wilfred Zaha still there. Emreki Ezzi I think, is coming off an injury. I don't remember how serious this injury was. But, yeah, I don't know... They did bring Joachim Anderson from Fulham. He was a loanee from Fulham or from Leon to Fulham. But I just, I don't know. Nathaniel Klein's there. They brought in Jack Butland, So maybe Jack Butlin challenges uh, Guayeta, Vincente Gaeta for the starting job between the sticks. I've been tipping Crystal Palace to go down for what it feels like forever because every single summer I feel like Wilver Zaha is going to leave. And he just never does. (laughs) He always just stays at Crystal Palace. And I think he's past the point now of where he's not going to get that big money move. So now he's just like, well, screw it. I'm stuck here. And then we've got Burnley. Nick Pope will be the sole reason this team stays up. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they still held on to James Tarkovsky, which is very impressive. Chris Wood is coming off an injury. Still got Dwight McNeil there. He's a very talented winger. But they're just going to crap their way to a probably 16th or 17th finish, if not relegated. I'd be very surprised if they weren't. there. These three teams, or four teams, I guess, Southampton, Burnley, Brentford, and Crystal Palace, those are the four teams that will be competing, I guess, trying not to get that 18th spot in the Premier League. That spot. And then we got Brentford, who I saw this in one video, and I agree with it 100%. Teams that usually play or traditionally play a back five Transition better to the Premier League than teams that don't. Especially teams that are horrific defensively like Watford and Norwich City coming up to the Premier League. And, and w- Brentford, one thing the other two teams don't have that Brentford has is a goal scorer. Ivan Toney scored goals for frickin' fun in the championship last season. Fun for just insane amount of goals scored in the championship. He scored 31 goals. 33 in total, 31 in the championship, and 45 appearances. He scored 24 goals in League 1, 16 the year before that with Peterborough, and he was formerly a Newcastle United. And the past three years, he has scored above 20 goals in every season. Scored above 20 goals. This dude's a baller, and if they do go down, he'll be the subject of a big money move to the back to the Premier League. I don't think he goes back down to the championship. Brentford were surprisingly, I didn't think they'd be this good. They just lost Saeed Barama to West Ham, and they lost Ollie Watkins. They're two best players from the season before, both gone. And they came back up. Came right up. And then you also brought in Christopher Azure or Agger, I don't know how you pronounce his name, Is Norwegian, from Celtic, which is a nice move for the defense. You've got Pontus Jensen, the Swedish beast, back there. But yeah, I think them playing the back five will help them a lot, because they'll just be accepting a lot of pressure and try to beat teams on the counterattack, and Ivan Tony is more than happy to do that to teams, I think they'll pit Southampton for that spot. So we've got in that bottom bracket, Norwich in 20th, Watford 19th, Southampton 18th, Brentford 17th, Burnley 16th, and then Crystal Palace in 15th. And then 14th, we've got none other than Brighton and Hove Albion. Brighton are a very interesting team that are very enjoyable to watch. They're a very hipster-friendly football team or soccer team, whatever you want. They're a very friend, hipster-friendly town. Robert Sanchez, to a lot of people's surprise, made the Spanish squad for Euro 2020. Very surprising. Tark Lamptey is a very impressive wing, right wing back for for them. They did lose Ben White to Arsenal, like we talked about earlier, but they still got some nice defenders. Louis Dunk, Adam Webster, still there, but I don't know how they're going to score a lot of goals. <laughs> You're, you got Neil Mopay still there. Danny Welbeck is there? And who else do they even have? Adam Connolly? You allowed. You managed to hand on Yves Basuma, one of the best midfielders in the bottom half of the league. You managed to hold on to him, as, even though the likes of Arsenal and Manchester United have been sniffing around him, he's still there. He's still there, surprisingly. But I think they'll be right up there because of the brand of football or soccer they play. I think that will manage to keep them up. And Robert Sanchez playing a full season as Brighton's unchallenged number one. I think that'll be very, very big for them, but I think they'll be just above those teams that we mentioned before. 13, Newcastle United. Newcastle are about to complete the signing of Joe Willick from Arsenal, who scored seven goals in his last seven appearances for them. And if he scores his first game this year for Newcastle, now if the deal does in fact go through, it'd be eight and eight. Which is absolutely ridiculous. Callum Wilson is still there, who is one of the better strikers in the Premier League. One of the better strikers in the bottom half teams. They're teams outside of the top six. So Manchester United, Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal, Tottenham, and I'm forgetting someone, Liverpool. He's one of the best strikers. He's proven in the Premier League. He's a very, very good player. Hopefully, Martin Dubrovka can stay healthy, but Carl Darlow played very, very well for them last season when he wasn't healthy. Yeah, hopefully Ryan Fraser can return to his assisting ways that saw him get linked to these big moves to Arsenal a few years ago. Not the move that ultimately led him to Tottenham. <laughs> and Alan St. Maximin, one of the best players outside of the top six. Not best, one of the most talented. He is just one of the best players outside of the top six. Extremely talented. And I heard a report, I mean, it's not very surprising, he's going to try and make it to France's 2022 World Cup squad. So dude's going to be motivated to perform. And he's going to be putting some big performances in there. If he does put big performances in, they might go a little bit higher than 13th. But for right now, I think 13th is right where it'll sit. And then this next spot, from 12 to about nine, you could or 12 to six, you could put these guys in whatever order. And I think the bottom 13 teams or the bottom 13, the bottom like 13 to 20, I think that's pretty set for me. Everything else is pretty loopy. It's easy to predict who's going to be bad. It's hard to predict who's going to be good. You've got to build up potential from last year. you got to look at signings, how the signings will fare in the Premier League. Will they have need time to adjust? Will they flop? Will they be amazing? Will teams underperform? Will they overperform? What will happen? And for one of the teams, so these teams that I'm talking about are like Everton, Wolves, Leeds, and West Ham. I think these are the teams that I'm the most concerned, or most, actually, just Everton, Wolves, and Leeds. Leeds play a very nice style of soccer that makes a lot of people very happy, very, allows people to smile. Marcelo Bielsa has a very hardworking team, and you've got players like Rafinha, you've got Patrick Bamford who's just scoring goals for fun, Calvin Phillips is a very enjoyable player to watch, you've got Junior Firpo coming in from Barcelona, which will be a nice addition at left-back, Rodrigo hopefully he scores more goals this season for them but they've got some very exciting players on their team and then you've got Wolves who lost Ruiz Patricio they have a new manager in but last year when they were struggling they were without most of the time for without Raul Jimenez with that head injury so if he is back and fully firing they will be back to their normal-ish self Now, hopefully Adama Traore comes back to his normal self. I don't know what kind of defense they're going to be running here. If they run the back five, if they run a back four, I don't know what they're going to do. Will Francisco Francisco Trincao be as good as what people are expecting him to be? And then for Everton, we already talked about They didn't bring any players that are really going to excite fans that are going to be striking fear into the heart of teams. I don't know what to expect from Everton this year. So what I've got here is Everton finishing in 12th, We're going to have Leeds in 11th and Wolves in 10th. Now, I would flip-flop Wolves and Leeds. I don't know exactly. I could see either one going either place. Leeds just finished in the top half of the league, which was very impressive to see. But Wolves were, again, without some of their best players. Their best player, arguably, in Raul Jimenez. New manager coming in. They don't have Europe to worry about now. I think they'll be back to more... Normal circumstances, I could see them going a little bit lower. I think them and Leeds could definitely flip-flop. Everton's got some very exciting players there as well. But Rafa Rafa Benitez, it's a very weird appointment. Former Liverpool manager, former Chelsea manager. I like him. I think he's a very nice manager, but it's a downgrade from Carlo Ancelotti. Let's just say that. Carlo Ancelotti attracts players like Hamas, like DeCourre, like Allen. Rafa Benitez attracts Damari Gray and Andres Townsend. It's a bit of a downgrade, isn't it? In it, yeah. And then we'll have, again, like we said, Wolves in 10th, Legion 11th. Ninth, we'll go West Ham United. I might be a little overrating them. Now, they are going to have a season with Europe. Now, they did just finish very, very, they had a ve- just a great season last year. It surprised everybody. They finished in sixth place. Sixth. That is damn impressive. <laughs> That's very impressive for West Ham United. And they're coming in, like we said with their best player still there. Now, if he is gone, that will change things, obviously. If if Declan Rice is gone, that changes a lot of things, but Thomas Schucek is still there. Mikel Antonio got given the number nine jersey, which is a very huge deal. He's been a player that hasn't really had a set position. Now that he's been given the number nine jersey, he's going to be starting up top for them. Getting in Alphonso Areola is going to be big for them. If Lucas Fabianski goes down, or if he's just... If you feel like Alphonse oh, Areola is better, then you put you have a nice goalkeeping situation here, okay? You don't have a bad goalie here, which is very nice. Now, I could also see them dropping a little bit with the European football happening this year. Expectations could be raised. Players get tired. You're going to have to rotate your squad a lot more than what you did last year. So maybe they drop down a little bit more. Maybe you can move them to 12th, okay, and have them in 12th and Everton 11th leads 10th, Wolves 9th. Maybe that happens. European soccer football is a big, big deal that can cause a lot of teams to stress out a little bit. And if you don't have the squad depth, that can be a little bit of an issue. So I think getting the likes of Alphonse Areola rotates the goalies, which will be very, very nice for them. And then moving up to eighth, Aston Villa. I get they lost Jack Grealish, but you brought in some very, very nice players like we talked about. Emmy Bodia is coming in. Danny Ings is coming in. Those are big. Leon Bailey's coming in. Those are three very very big signings. Leon Bailey's been linked with Chelsea for what feels like forever. And now he's playing for Aston Villa. They're going to be insanely fun to watch. They're going to be a very fun team. Though they might even finish higher. I just don't know what to think of Tottenham and Arsenal really. I really don't know what to think of them. Tottenham might lose Harry Kane. I don't know if Nuno Espirito Santos the most what do you want to call it? Most Hyped hiring ever, especially after you interviewed like 10 other people? 20 other people? That isn't, that's not That's not going to get the fans hyped. I don't even know if he's really hyped for this. He's going in knowing he wasn't first choice to take over as the Tottenham boss. There was like 10 or 20 other people that interviewed for the same exact job. They either got it and got fired shortly after or didn't want it. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on in Tottenham. I can say the same thing for Arsenal. I don't know if Mikel Arteta is that good of a manager. I really don't. But they did get some nice signings. We talk about Ben White's coming in, which is very, very nice. That shores up their defense. Emil Sith rose, giving the number 10 jersey. Now, they are still linked with Martin Odegaard from Real Madrid. As Fabrizio Romano has been saying, he's been their number one target as the number 10 position. Not James Madison, as they've often been linked to. It's been Martin Odegaard, who is still under contract at Real Madrid, does currently have a squad number at Real Madrid. And surprisingly, Granit Xhaka is still there. I thought he was gone forever ago. I thought he was going to Roma right after the Euros ended. Turns out, he's still there. But if Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Alexander Lacazette can do what we know they can do, they should not be anywhere near the situation they were in last year. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, in his first... Two of his first three seasons in the Premier League. Actually, this is his first three seasons. He scored 10 goals in 14 games for Arsenal. I get. Let's just go over the Premier League. 10 and 13 in his first season in the Premier League, 22 and 36 in the next year, and then 22 and 36 again the next year, and then last year he scored 10 and 29. I don't know what's going on with the Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, and then you look at Alexander Lacazette, similar thing, but he scored a little bit more goals. He hasn't been the same player since he's left Lyon. People are going to want him to be back to his Lyon days because people are starting to get a little frustrated with. Alexander Lacazette and scoring 13 goals a season. Which is not bad. But it's not what you what you want. Especially for Arsenal fans who have the really weird mindset that they're very, 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 very good. <laughs> Even though they're not. But I don't know. I really don't know what to make of Arsenal. Because I don't know what I make of Mikel Arteta. I don't know if pierre Aubameyang could go back to his normal goal-scoring ways. I don't know if they really believe in Bernd Leno all that much. But back, the defense, defense, it's not that bad. Kieran Tierney is one of the best left backs in the league. You got Ben White. Gabrielle is going to be back there again as the left-sided center back. And then Hector Bellerin at right back. Then you're going to have an attack of Bakaya Saka on the right, Aubameyang on the left, Lacazette at striker, Emil Smith-Rose at number 10, and then Party, Thomas Party, and Granite Xhaka as the midfielders, holding midfielders. That is not a bad team at all. But it's Arsenal. So they'll probably underachieve that. I don't know how they'll manage to do that. But they probably will. And then you look at Tottenham. They might lose Harry Kane. This prediction all depends on what happens with Harry Kane. The entire thing happens with what Harry Kane does. If Harry Kane leaves, they're going down the table. If he stays, they might be awesome. (laughs) They're going to be awesome with him. And he is one of the best strikers, if not the best striker in the world. You lose him, that's massive. That is huge. You cannot afford to lose him, especially at Tottenham, when you're probably not going to be able to replace him. Hugo Lloris has not looked his best recently. Defensively, I don't know what they're going to do. Christian Romero came in from Atalanta slash Juventus on loan. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what kind of formation they're going to run. Hopefully Deli Alli gets back in playing. Ryan Sessegnon needs to get back in playing again. I don't know what to think of Tottenham. I don't know what to think of Arsenal. They both could go so much further down this list. Aston Villa might finish above both of them, if we're being 100% honest here. Aston Villa might finish sixth, and both of them finish below that. We'll release an actual like table for you guys on social media, so make sure you go and follow me on all forms of social media. Logan underscore Blackman's the Twitter, Instagram Blackman Logan, and the Logan Blackman Show 1. Go like the Facebook page. Just search The Logan Blackman Show. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. And, of course, follow me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now we go into the top five. And starting off at fifth, Leicester City. Leicester City, weirdly enough, if you told me this ten years ago, I'd never believe you. The top six might have changed. Leicester City is in the top six. And one of Arsenal and Tottenham are not in it anymore. And most off recent form, you'd have to say Arsenal. Leicester City can attract bigger players, which is weird than Arsenal. <laughs> you would look weird or dumb moving from Arsenal, Leicester City to Arsenal. They have a better manager. They have more... Pat- or not insane fans. They have realistic expectations for themselves. They've won recently. I get FA Cup, but even Leicester won the FA Cup. <laughs> Leicester just won the freaking Community Shield as well. Leicester got a better defense. They got a better goalie. On form, they got better strikers. They got a way better midfield. Like, Leicester City are right there. Bringing in Samori, bringing in Daka, bringing in Yannick Vestergaard potentially is big. Losing Wesley Fofana is freaking huge. Yes, we're not going to deny that. But bringing in those players to go with Madison, Tielemans, Wilfred Ndidi, Jamie Vardy, Kelechi Nacho is coming off a great year for them. Harvey Barnes, who's coming off a great year for them. Leicester City finishing fifth, I think is that will happen. And then fourth, I think Leicester are the only team in this top five I won't move. Everybody else is open to a move. <laughs> and number four is Liverpool, which is very weird to say. I know they finished, what, third last year? Dropping down one spot with Virgil van Dijk coming back. Ibrahima Kanate coming in. Still with Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane. Hopefully Mane gets back to form. Trent Alexander-Arnold, Andy Robertson, Jordan Henderson coming back. Fourth, which is weird, but yes, I'm going to say fourth. Just because of how good the teams above them are potentially going to be. And third, I'm going to say Manchester United. They brought in Jadon Sancho. They brought in Raphael Varane, which are two massive signings. Or without Marcus Rashford for a while at the start of the season, he just had shoulder surgery, so he'll be out for a little bit. How will they adapt to him playing without him playing? Jay and Sancho on the right, Greenwood on the left, Sancho on the left, Greenwood on the right, Martial up the middle? Because Edison Cavani's hurt right now, from what the sources say. They didn't get a midfielder yet to be that number six. I would love them to play a 4 3 3 more to get Pogba in as a him and Bruno Fernandes as free agents, Bruno being allowed to push forward a little bit more probably being that box to box midfielder and getting a natural number six they've talked about scott mctominay playing up a little higher up the field but like defensively they have the one of the best back lines in the league but the problem is that man <laughs> chelsea and man city are very good chelsea getting romelu lukaku is freaking huge he's freaking huge the team is going to be freaking huge they just won the champions league they just won the super cup they're coming in looking great. Under Thomas Tuchel, they have played 31 games and won two trophies. That is ridiculous. You don't have that that often. Jorginho and Golo Conte, Kai Havertz is looking great as the season went on last year. They got Mason Mount, Christian Pulisic, Reece James, Ben Chilwell, and Romelu Lukaku. And you're going to have Kai or not Kai Havertz, you're going to have Timo Werner coming off the wing which I think will better suit his talents because he ain't a natural goal scorer anymore. He was at RB Leipzig, not anymore. But having Lukaku is huge. I think Manchester United are still that striker away. I don't know what to make of their striker position. I love Mason Greenwood. Is he ready to take it over? I like Edison Cavani a lot, but he's getting older. He's not going to play all the games. And I don't know what to make of Anthony Martial anymore. I don't know what kind of player we're going to get from him anymore. So Chelsea pip Manchester United for second in City. Regardless if they get Harry Kane, we'll win the league. Man City won the league last year without playing with a real recognized striker. They won the league last year doing that. What makes you think they can't do it again? Now, if they get Harry Kane, it's a guaranteed locked-up title. Guaranteed locked-up title. Bringing Jack Grealish is huge. You've got a lot of players you can rotate around. A lot of players you can rotate around. Gundogan, De Bruyne, Fernandinho, Rodri, Foden. Mares, Bernardo Silva still there, even though he's being linked with a move to Atletico Madrid. Grealish, Fernand Torres, Raheem Sterling, if he can come back to form. You've got the reigning Premier League player of the year, both of them, Kevin De Bruyne and Ruben Diaz. John Stones looks really good. Ederson is really good. So I think a lot of people are hopping on the Chelsea thing. I'm going to have them in second Man City winning the league. So that, right now is my Premier League 2021 season predictions. Man City winning the league, Chelsea second, Man United third, Liverpool fourth, Leicester City fifth. I don't know what to make of that sixth and seventh place thing. I really don't know what to make of Tottenham and Arsenal. (laughs) Because if you look at last year, just looking at last year, Arsenal, for their extremely high standards, finished in eighth, Tottenham finished in seventh. Are Tottenham and Arsenal moving up one spot in the league, maybe. I'm going to say... God, I don't know if Harry... Harry Kane staying is huge for Tottenham. I don't know what to make of them. Arsenal or Tottenham 6th and 7th? We'll make the actual list tomorrow when you guys hear the episode. Aston Villa 8th, West Ham ninth, Wolves 10th, Leeds 11th, Everton 12th, Newcastle 13th, Brighton 14th, Crystal Palace 15th, Burnley 16th, Brentford 17th. Just... And then Southampton 18th, Watford 19th, Norch City in 20th. So for the season stash for the awards, I think Harry Kane will finish in top goal score again. Top most assists will be Kevin De Bruyne, and clean sheets will be Ederson. And then awards Premier League manager of the season. I mean, I don't really know. You could give this to whoever you want, really. Whoever has a very good year. I could definitely see Dean Smith getting this this year from Aston Villa. You think that's a very real, real shout of that happening. But if. Man City win it again. I'd be, I I'm imagining Pep wins it if they win the league. But I think Dean Smith definitely has a shot to win Premier League Manager of the season. Thomas Tuchel, same thing. Player of the season. If Harry Kane goes to Man City, it will be Harry Kane. Cause you've seen what happened last year. Dude led the league in assists and goals and didn't win the Premier League Player of the season. Cause Tottenham didn't win anything. If he's on Man City, he's winning Premier League Player of the season without a doubt without a doubt he's winning premier league player of the season if he's not there i think this is the default answer is going to give it to kevin de bruyne <laughs> kevin de bruyne is going to win it that's just the obvious answer isn't it if kane's not there it'll probably be kevin de bruyne if he stays healthy young player of the season this is players 21 and younger pretty much James sancho i think will win young player of the year i think he falls under the category of winning young player of the year this year then for pfa player of the year same thing Kevin De Bruyne <laughs> if Kane stays at Tottenham if Kane goes to Man City Kane <laughs> PFA Young Player of the Year I think he'll still be Jane Sancho yet again Phil Foden's obviously a shot in there who else do we got in there that could be a Young Player of the Year award winners Kai Havertz could definitely be up there yeah there's a lot of good young players in the Premier League but I'm going to stick with Jane Sancho and then Premier League Team of the Season we have Ederson in goal Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back Ruben Diaz from City at center back, along with Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw at left back, Kevin De Bruyne, Wilfred Ndidi, and Bruno Fernandes in midfield, and then a forward line of Romelu Lukaku, Harry Kane, and, right now, Sun Hung Min. If if Kane goes to Man City, Sun Hung Min is going to be that main guy for Tottenham Hotspur. And he's going to have to score a ton of goals for them to be even close to the top. Now, I could also throw in somebody like, I don't know, Mohamed Salah I think is a very basic answer I could throw in there very good player Kai Havertz could be in there Mason Mount could definitely be in the Premier League team of the season we get a Phil Foden in there Jack Grealish like there's so many good players in the Premier League right now but that's my team of the season my awards my top scorers I guess my top stat leaders and my Premier League table good lord this show is another long one. 100, well, 130 pretty much Hour and 30 minutes. I wanted to be a little shorter. It went a little longer because I talked about the Premier League predictions a little longer and that tier list thing for quarterbacks took a lot longer than I was expecting. So that's all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Go and watch the start of the Premier League season. It's going to be a very exciting thing to watch. If you didn't enjoy the show, I only apologize. I'm sorry about that. But that's what I've got for you. Hope to see you again soon. We will be back, hopefully, I'm not going to promise anything, but hopefully be back on Monday. Peace.